Hello and welcome. Um, we're here again on another episode of the, the Bravo Zulu live streaming series. Oh, we have people pouring in here to watch this live. This is great. Um, as you know, each of these live stream series, uh, we're live on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you'd like to watch the show. Today, we've got a fantastic guest, someone I've been really looking forward to bringing on here and having a chat with, with all your questions. Um, most importantly, you can join the conversation. So there should be a chat box um, on the stream you're watching or leave a reply. Um, and what you can do, those, those comments come up right in front of us here. So uh, you're most welcome to join in the conversation. Ask your questions. Feel free to preload up your questions. We'll, um, we'll save them. I'll drop them into the, to the conversation at the right point in time. Um, and uh, if you or if you want to ask one just on something we're talking about, but I'll try and get through answers to all the questions or put them all to our guests today. So th this uh, podcast can be uh, listened to back on YouTube, Facebook, or sorry, on our podcasts as well. So on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to listen to this. Um, our special guest today is um, none other than Robert Kester of the Lost Persons Behavior Study. And um, Robert has been extremely good to come on the show and talk to us all about what lost person behavior, what the research and studies, how they work, um, about his book, about the data source or data set, his database, his new find software. Um, we've loads and loads to talk about. And one of the big topics we want to get to is, is how you can produce data for Robert's study for lost person behavior, the International Search and Rescue Database out of D4H. So we, wear, we will cover that at the end. Now, people are starting to show off which teams they're from here. We're getting people in. We've got USA, Canada, uh, British Columbia, uh, Carlisle, UK, Seattle, Jasper, Alberta, Boise, Idaho, Virginia, USA. They're all here. Okay, excellent. Um, let me get my guest in here. Um, so I would like you to give a welcome to um, Robert. Robert, how are you? I'm just fine. And how are you? I'm great. Thank you. You've drawn a crowd. There's a great crowd watching. I think we're going to get lots of lots of questions on here. Excellent. Um, Love questions. <laughs> so if um, I always say to people watching this, remember that our, our audience aren't all search and rescue or they aren't all from the industry that the, the guest is from. Um, we were talking earlier today about how, you know, a lot, a lot of your, your users it, beyond academia, there's, it's, it's mainly sheriff's departments. So police uh, for missing people and for search and rescue in the wilderness. Explain to everybody else what lost person behavior is. Uh, lost person behavior is really just trying to figure out where the, the missing uh, person. Uh, not everybody who is missing is lost, but just about everybody who's lost is missing. We, we hope somebody cares about them to report them uh, missing. And it's just using clusters of behavior patterns to predict where we think this person is now it's all a game of probability we don't know where this person is it's, so, i mean it's, it's saying, fascinating yeah. and your your study you've collected enough data and it, so we know it as the international search and rescue database i think that's the right title for this you've collected is. enough data in this that you can generate models and probability of where somebody goes based on their profile uh, correct. It, it, it's a starting place. When you know nothing else about the individual, you can hopefully drop them into a category. Are we talking about a missing hiker? Are we talking about a missing hunter? Are we talking about somebody on a snowmobile? Are we talking about somebody who has dementia or Alzheimer's? Or maybe somebody who has autism? Or maybe we're talking about a four-year-old child. Yeah. All of those folks are going to behave differently. Then they're all in different environments. So you're going to behave differently in the desert than you're going to in a thickly vegetated forest and kind of differently if, if you're in polar ice caps. Then you're also going to behave differently if it's mountainous or non-mountainous. 
And finally, you're going to behave differently if you're lost in a city. And hopefully you're not a lost hiker uh, in the city. Um, at least it's easy to get unlost. Um, but we certainly see dementia cases and lost kids in, in urban yeah. environments. So th all those things are going to impact uh, the missing person differently. And, and can you get, can you give an example? I love telling people the example of like, well, isn't there some there's some large difference between a child of a certain age will will hide and a child of a certain age will trail run? Is that there's some change well, point uh, or kids one one to three don't even realize they're lost. Mm -hmm. They don't have any spatial capabilities, so they have spent their entire life not knowing where they are. So if you never know where you are, you can't get lost. Um, to them, the problem is, where did my caregiver go? Mm -hmm. It's the caregiver who is lost from, from their perspective. So they, they tend to hide. They tend to have just random behaviors. I, I like to say, if you can predict the path of a butterfly, you can figure out where that missing one-year-old is. <laughs> That's a good one. And so, so they'll they'll so the the advice that use the the database uh, or the the um, what would you call the um, there, are there models of a sheets of um, it's a guide per. What would be the best way of describing yeah, the category? What I like to say, what, what the database allows me to generate and searchers then to use is spatial models. Yeah. And there's, there's several different spatial models, and each model has its own strengths and, and weakness. And, and so in this scenario, a search and rescue team or the, the sheriff's department would be able to say, well, we know it's this age child. This is how they're going to be thinking. So we'll shorten our search area versus, I, I don't know what, at a certain age, the child starts to run when they discover they're lost. Is that right? I mean, it's not too, too surprising that for a one to three year old, the distances traveled are a little bit smaller. Some yeah. people by the, by the same token may even go, oh my gosh, I didn't know a three year old could get that far. Mm. So the, the outer ring uh, may may tell them, hey, you might need to look a little bit further out than what your own internal biases are. You know, if you have no data, all you have is instinct to go on. If you have data, you can yeah. see what at, at least hopefully hundreds of you know similar people in a similar circumstance uh, have done. Yeah, and I, and I I love that concept of um um. You, um, or maybe you you could talk us through it, or maybe some graphics around of how people then start using range rings to determine what sector or likelihood or direction, um, everything around where that person might be. Yeah, the as we've kind of discussed that there's several different models uh, for spatial models. Do, do, do. Let's bring them up. So. Uh, displacement model is uh, the, the most common model, which is simply range rings. So mm -hmm. if we were doing our example of a child, say, and now you can't see me frantically flipping through the book because I don't have any of these numbers <laughs> memorized. Well, while you are, uh, I'm going to remind, remind everyone. For. <laughs> while you're doing that, I'm going to remind everyone you can ask ask Robert questions here live in the comments. So if you've got a question, uh, warning, this is going to get technical because I'm really into this. Um, and, and Robert is the most into this person in the world. Um, so we're, we're, I think we're going to get into some technical questions. If people want to join in here in the comments, do ask. There we go. So if we were using our example of a, a one to three year old, the, and we look at that displacement model, there, there's different rings. The, the smallest ring is a 25 percentile. And zero. We, we've, lost your, um, we've lost your models there if you did have them. Oh, it's, oh. it's back on my screen. Is it back oh, on um, yours? We, oh, there we go. Yep, we got it. You got it? Yep, yep, we're up. Okay. So 25% of one to three year olds are found within 200 meters and 
are found within 300 meters. And 75% are found within 600 meters. And now you might be thinking, you're about to hear me say 95% are found in a kilometer. No, 95% go all the way out to 4.5 kilometers. So while you might find 75% of these one to three year olds mm. in 600 meters, if you want to get that last 20%, you got to go all the way out to 4.5 miles. So that's the displacement model or the ring model. Yeah. Uh, the dispersion model is given a direction of travel. How well does that direction of travel actually predict uh, where they're going to be found? the elevation model and, and and just so that's how far they wander off a direction so what 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 factors change that for people so i assume the dispersion is um a certain profile of person or category of person can walk a straight line or has has purpose about their direction versus um somebody who doesn't is that what that is um pretty much uh, although one of the one of the more peculiar findings is with dementia subjects, we find they have a very tight uh, dispersion angle. So if mm. you do have a direction of travel from somebody who has dementia, which usually you don't, in all honesty, uh, it's not like you can really trust them if they say where they're going. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes you have video sightings or CCTV. Uh, sightings uh, of where they were headed as they left the facility. That's actually a pretty good predictor of where they're going to be found. So for dementia, yeah. we have a little saying of they go until they get stuck. Yeah. Uh, despondence is also another one where the dispersion angle is a really good predictor of often where they're going to find up. Because if you kind of think about a despondent, usually they're not lost. They they know where they're going and they mm. go there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by my memory, um, drawn sort of you've this concept of magnets and barriers of what people are aversion from and drawn to and, um, um, or, or as such of find locations that you might find near water, um, near a building, there's, there's different models of where they may be attracted right. to. Uh, on the slide, it just says find location because I didn't have a, a, a fancy graphic uh, <laughs> for it. But uh, it pretty much suggests if you look at something, a concept known as probability density, uh, linear features are where most lost people are found. So examples of linear features, and some of these hopefully shouldn't be too surprising. A lot of people are found on roads. A lot of people are found on trails. A lot of people are found on hydrological features, you know, streams, rivers, creeks, mm -hmm. whatever you happen to call it uh, in your locality. And other linear features might, might be fence lines, railroads, uh, pipelines, uh, pipeline cuts uh, th through the terrain. That tends to gather people up. Sometimes people say, are, are people attracted to these? It's like, I don't know if they're attracted to them per se, but that's where they wind up. And if you're lost and you stumble out on a trail, you're far more likely to start following the trail than walk across it. However, there's exceptions to every rule. So some Yeah, very good. Elevation. So, I, I bet I so can. The, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so so elevation is just you know what is the probability they're going to go uphill? What is the probability they're going to go downhill? And Let me guess. Te teenagers don't teenagers don't go uphill. Let me guess. <laughs> well, it used to be most people went downhill, but a, a newer trend is if somebody has a cell phone, they get themselves lost, and they don't mm -hmm. have a signal. Uh, they're more likely to go uphill. Yeah. Some people have been taught that, hey, if you get lost, go to the top of the hill and then you can get a wonderful view of everything around and then decide where to go. 
Then you get to the top of the mountain and it gets foggy or cloudy out. <laughs> we we've got a little um sharing box covering the the bottom center model um i don't know if you can press high oh that, that one says uh i think i could hide that yeah look at that right track uh, it says track offset so this one is particularly valuable in dementia and in some of our uh younger kids where the question is, if you're not found on a road or, or trail or linear feature, then how far away from that feature are you typically found? And mm. say for dementia folks, 50% uh, 50, 50 of folks with dementia when they're not found on a road or trail are only 15 meters. And for our non-metric people, meters and yards are, are the same thing as, as well as SAR teams me measure things. Um, so that means you, if you just look 15 meters or yards on either side of whatever you're searching, you stand a 50% chance of finding the subject. Yeah. Yeah. And watershed is one of the more technical ones. Uh, my, my software handles it. it. It's not something you would commonly plot on a map without PIS. And, and watershed how does that affect the person's uh behavior behavior uh, the yeah. idea i mean a watershed is is you know technically where water will flow into a common mm. source like a, a a river uh the way it impacts lost person behavior is lost subjects are less likely to switch from one watershed to the next ah to go from one watershed to the next means you have to go up and over the mountain mm. so 50 percent of lost folks are found in the same watershed oh, that's fascinating and and, and it, i assume people feel that if they follow a river as well it's going somewhere or the sun yeah it's it's got to go someplace mm. for the most part <clears throat> there there's always exceptions there, there's some parts of the country where or the planet where you know it might bring you to the arctic ocean which is <laughs> probably a place you don't want to be and other places they just it, it goes out into a de you know a dry wash or a desert another place you probably don't want to be um but you know in other places following water will get you out of trouble and some places it might bring you to a really nice swamp so can you give us the little bit of backstory i know you have a couple of slides here and i've probably jumped you right into the middle of them at an awkward point are you able to to sort of give us a, a feel of of the study of the research um, sure. and, and sort of how people contribute yep well let's just kind of start with oh my slides aren't switching quickly the bandwidth problem on my end <laughs> so let me well, uh, well well you're bringing them up they we we love questions coming in here so um if you've used the if you've used robert's book before um which we have a a link to in the description section it is the lost person behavior a search and rescue guide on where to look and i believe you can purchase it um down below there is a link in the description box i hope that's the the right link um that you prefer people to purchase from um so you can um you guys are, are it's a really fascinating reference manual for your for your response team let's try um, this what yeah go for it yep looking good okay so I started collecting data in 2002 when I had a grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. What they have to do with lost person behavior, I'm still not sure to this day. But <laughs> I, I, there was a six-month grant, so it was kind of like collect as much data as I possibly could in six months. So it also meant my format was I would collect data in any format people had to give it to me. And then it 
took me another two years to kind of clean up all that data and make make sense of it all. And in the end, I collected data from 43 different sources and had 50,000 incidents uh, collected. Uh, from that, I went ahead and wrote the book, Lost, Lost Person Behavior. So that is the data that the book is currently showing. Or if you have a, a copy or, or the version of the Lost Person Behavior app, that's also the same data. So the, the app and the, and the book match. In 2013, I got some additional funding and they require for me to say this whole thing from the Department of Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate. And so I was able to collect an additional 100,000 new cases. And then in 2014, well, I got... At, at this point, was it international as well? I mean, was this from mainly North America or US or... It was... Even even back in 2002 to 2007, it was an international database. Because uh, even in that initial data run, I had data from, um, well, most of it was from North America. Although my mm -hmm. second largest source of data was actually New Zealand. And then I had a good amount of data coming in from Australia and a good amount of data coming in from the U UK and Ireland. And then like a little bit from Switzerland. Excellent. And with uh, the second round of database, I, I added a, added uh, Poland and Iceland and Spain. And now I, I've I have just started, started in 2021, and I'm still doing it right now, a, a third round uh, of data collection. And, and what, what changes in the third round? Do you, do you update fields? Are you looking, are you looking for this? Um, is it just more data as in the time period that's passed or is, it, is there something different about it? There's more data and there's new subject categories. Okay. So previously I had 43 subject categories. Uh, for the second round of, of data collection, I added two or three more. And now I'm probably getting ready to add, you know, I'm not sure I have all the data because I have to have enough data mm. to make a new subject category. Yeah. But I'm probably going to have like a, a dozen new subject categories. Can you give some examples of? I, of um, what they are like what what's new what what's what can people uh, some of the new subject categories i have on a slide so uh, here's some of the upcoming additions right now the the data is just broken into temperate and dry domains uh, looks like I'll be getting enough data from Iceland and Alaska and Canada uh, to be able to add the polar domain. We're, we're there. There's a rather interesting observation that you get very different behaviors, whether there is snow on the ground or if you're trying to just get through tundra. A uh, lot, lot more mobility if snow is actually on the ground. Uh, I'm breaking out instead of just maybe temperate, I can break out temperate into some of the eco region divisions and give even yeah. more specific, uh, data. Uh, I better define mountains. Uh, I discuss probabilistic thinking, which is just a fancy way of saying, I don't really know, but I'll sound smart by using the word probability. Uh, so some of the new subject categories, there's uh, base jumpers, and then there'll be a subcategory sub of base jumpers wearing what I call squirrel suits. And what, yeah. so, so um, how are base jumpers getting that lost on the, not on the walk in, I assume? Is no, that, I mean, they crash. 
And right. how would you model that? It's just distance from the cliff? Just, yeah, d distance from the cliff, uh, total vertical drop. Uh, okay. You know, the, the old class, class, you know, dispersion angle will be important. Mm. Uh, the distance from the launch site will be important. Uh, total elevation change from the launch site, which is usually going to be lower. Um, but <laughs> it's like how much, you know, is it in the first third of the flight or the second yeah. third of the flight or the last third of the flight? Uh, I know I see that fugitive category as well. I, I think that'll have huge interest from, from law enforcement, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, certainly My experience is very little in that. Yeah, certainly collecting some fugitive data, whether I just restrict it to law enforcement or put it in the book, I haven't decided yet. Uh, Vision Quest is a category where uh, people get a vision from a, a higher source to go out and do something. Mm. Like, hey, I've never climbed a mountain in my life, but I feel like I should climb a mountain. <laughs> or I feel like I should run off into the woods naked and see how long I can survive. Uh, so it's actually usually, in all honesty, a mixture of being despondent, having some mental illness, and whatever activity they're actually doing. And then certainly we're, we're seeing, you know, from some of our, our veterans or people who just have had auto accidents, uh, brain trauma to a very specific part of their brain. So it may not appropriate be appropriate to say they have an intellectual disability, but that they have received a trauma to, to their, their, their brain and that, that affects their behavior. And then beacons is all of our uh you know plbs personal locator beacons uh elts emergency locator transmitters mm -hmm. for airplanes that have crashed uh then we also have our our commercial devices such as inreach or um uh, spot devices would all be examples of, of beacons and certainly cell phone forensics is becoming more important so when you are given some results from cell phone forensics, how well do those cell phone forensics actually predict where the person is? Because all the, the, all the forensics tell you was the last time the phone had contact with a tower. Yes. It doesn't necessarily tell you where the subject is. Subjects can move out of cell phone coverage or phones can die. So I actually have statistics uh, on that now. There's a question in here kind of related to that from, from Andrew Walwork, which is, is there enough data for social media photo seekers where they go off and seeking a perfect photo for Instagram or other? Uh, no, there's not enough data. <laughs> so th that is my, my universal uh, restraint. If, if nobody's collecting data on a question, then I can't draw any conclusions. Yes. And a lot of times new, new categories and new questions often have to be gleaned from the comments section, which usually means somebody has to read tens of thousands of comments uh, to pull these things out. Like just a, a, a question I was working on the other day was a search for a four-year-old who ran off following a dog. So, you know, the question then comes up when children are lost following dogs, do they behave differently than those who aren't following or have dogs uh, with them? I have a nice fancy hypothesis that I could give you a, a great line of reasoning of what I think and why I think it. But in all honesty, I could be completely wrong and I won't know until I like crunch the numbers and see what the numbers say versus yes. what I think. There's a, another question in here, uh, Gas Gasper Bar. I hope I, I've, I've said that, attempted to say that right. Um, it looks like you're from from Rome and Italy, saying um, after their experience in the Concordia uh, ship, which I believe is the cruise ship that capsized off Italy, they could write a new category of missing persons. 
And, and that would lead me to the question, would you ever think about centralizing some data on how, how bodies behave in water of different salinities and temperatures? Um, it's something that we can never, uh, so my, my background for people who aren't, who aren't familiar is in the Coast Guard here in Ireland. Um, and we're always struggling for good, good data on that. And um, there doesn't ever seem to be an international source. Yeah, I, I have pretty much stuck to the land environment because I, I initially had this belief that the Coast Guard knew what it was doing. And um, I'd let them collect all, all data on, on that because I thought the land was the untouched. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, of, it's lake, it's uh, lakes, rivers, it's all that thing. I I love a central point where, um, you know, water salinity. I mean, there's a whole set of factors, obviously, to it. Yes. Um, um, water salinity and uh, water temperature. And I think that's where, with the Concordia ship comment there, it's like, ha, what is the average time that a body may resurface from gas? Um, yeah, that is a very uh, difficult question. I I am actually just listening in on a, a seminar uh, tomorrow called bodies mm. in the water ah there we go and i i give the link but i already heard like that the seminar is full even for virtual attendees yeah and, and but, uh, it's so, a fascinating there area is actually um a database out there being kept for bodies in the water attempting to address uh, okay. some, some of those issues I, I see we've just had uh, uh, David away just say here, Lorna Dennison is doing work on a missing bodies, missing in waters database, the UK police, which is a pulsar by the look of it in the UK. Um, yeah. and, and really that's, that's who's giving the seminar tomorrow. Look at that. It all so goes around. I, I don't know if um, it's going to be recorded or, or not. Then, then, you know, obviously people could see it afterwards. See, um, we have a comment in here from Sandra. Sandra, fantastic to hear from you. It's been a very, very long time. Um, I hope you're keeping well. Um, Rob was actually telling me just before this, one of the biggest uh, live streams he, he had done was the BC Adventure Smart um, one. Um, and uh, they're looking forward to welcoming you back again on the 6th of July, for the look of it. So yet another oversubscribed um session hikers and mountain bikers yep uh, where were we on your on your oh, slides where were we on the a yep, couple of others i can bring it back up again we had kind of talked about fugitives so that would be of interest to law enforcement and then wide area disaster uh, I got a little bit of data from wildland fires where you find folks who have been in a wildland fire that have gone missing. Mm -hmm. And I'm also working on, on some flood data. And from our U.S. Coast Guard, I haven't determined if I'm going to be able to get this data. I'm still working on it. Um, you know, they have a, a good amount of data on bridge jumpers who then mm -hmm. go into the water 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 <laughs> and then there's a separate database on scuba divers who go go missing i also have new data on, on missing aircraft uh as well there's also all of those are what i call kind of what you were doing uh based things i also have a, a new category of subject categories called scenario categories. So it doesn't so much matter what you were doing, but why you went missing. So for folks who have a, a medical event, so you could be a, a hiker or a hunter and you have a, a, you know, a diabetic crisis, yeah. then you would fall in the medical category. Uh, evading is sometimes small kids, autism, mental illness, if you have an active evader, here's their set of statistics. If somebody has uh, received a trauma, and that's why they're, they're actually missing, they, they fell off a cliff, or your mountain climbers uh, have a fall, then they would fall into the trauma 
uh, category, and I have like six different uh, scenario categories. So that will be a new way that the, the data will be uh, uh, presented. So that is something I am working on. And then I'm working on new models. Mm. So the point model is just a new model that says, what's the chance of finding the subject within 100 meters of where they were last seen? Or what's the chance of finding the subject within 100 meters of their destination? We should tell searchers that those are two very important places to look, but sometimes people forget for various uh, reasons. And then there's the revised PLS model. So I got enough data from people telling me, you know, you have the initial planning point, but then you have some really great clue or some really great sighting where, you know, you have video footage and you have it's time stamped and you absolutely know the subject was here after they were last seen. So mm -hmm. that's a revised PLS. And as you might expect, that reduces those range rings. So that, that's a new model coming out. Okay. So those, those are the, the new things I'm working on. Usually if I get enough data and something else pops out of the data, then I can report on it. So, so let's talk about that. Your, your critical piece is people sending you data. That's yes. what you need. Without data, I can't do anything other than just make things up off the top of my head. So, so what's the most basic way people can do this? How do they get involved and how does their team or department contribute to you? Well, there, there, there's several different ways you can contribute data. If you have your own database up and running, mm -hmm. you, you certainly just email me the data. And if you need letters and memorandums, un understandings or FOIAs or whatever legal hoops have mm. to be hooped through, I, I'm happy to, to go through that. Uh, it's, it's easiest for me at this point, especially since I have no funding, I, I really don't want a bunch of paper forms and do the manual data entry m myself. I, I have done that in the past. I, do have a 14 year old that I can make do that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, for those Don't worry, it's, it's for the common good. Keep going. It's for the common for the good. Common good. <laughs> I'll get you an ice cream bar. Yeah. Um, I, I'd much rather have, you know, 12,000 electronic incidents yeah. come in and, and then spend my time cleaning the data and, and, and working through that. And of course, D4H mm -hmm. uh, does have a lost person behavior model uh, that was built to the silver standard. So when people no, have you've that, been, are, are, I get it. I get an email every now and again from Robert saying, can we upgrade our model, please, to the, I think it's <laughs> platinum is it would be the ideal ideal level few, few more questions there of course everything's a balance between being we ask too many questions nobody wants to fill it out because my observation is nobody went into search and rescue because they wanted to fill out a form uh, what what i promised people on this was we we talk a little bit about this because there are lots of questions and i think one of the good outcomes of today is if you do use d4h is how to send you the data and and see how much um, if we can get you a bit of a higher volume, we have hundreds of thousands of users that um, should be able to contribute. So um, what I was going to do here was very quickly uh, just demonstrate this. So um, what, I, what I'm going to do here, let me make sure we can see our pretty faces still. There we go. So um, I, what I'm looking at here is just D4H and people who use it will be very familiar with adding a new incident. So if you want to contribute here, what you need to do is just add a normal incident. I'm going to call it missing hiker. Okay. I set a location on the map and obviously you can go, you can, um, you can work right in off here on topographics. So we'll go down. I'm going to pick a random spot here. We won't worry too much. Um, and of course I can put in the, um, lat long here as well. Okay, and this is going to, all this data is going to go forward in the export. I can put in all of my timestamps around um, everything that's happening. 
on the key tab here i'll just pull in some weather and i'm going to jump onto the lost person tab so the lost person tab if you want to turn that on in your account it's in the settings area and this is where we open up that isrid silver compatibility form so now we've already it already knows where um some basic information so i'm now starting to tell it where was the initial planning point i'm just going to say it was here and you can see i can work all the way down through um these different categories and i know you'd love for example a, a sub um a subcategory of person too right yes yeah i mean uh, a lot of times that the category might be a missing child because you just go by their age and the category might be child one to uh let's say child 10 years old but then the subcategory would be you know what were they actually doing were they hiking were they playing so you can see i'm working my way through all these questions Mobility is how long they were, the search team reckon they were moving for. Is that right? So they think they Correct. reported they walked for four hours or five hours or, or something Correct. like that. Total lost time then is including their stops time, I guess. So let's say they sat uh, for five like, hours. Total, total lost time is from the time they were last seen to the time okay. they're found. And total search time is the effort put in by the response exactly from the time the searcher started searching oh, they were good to the time they were found yeah since it says search time so when i now set the find location we'll automatically calculate the distance and i thought we calculate an elevation change but i think i heard you say we we may not be doing that um uh, yeah it, it it's doesn't usually show up on my side of the house look at that um, so you can you can leave a little love note here to robert in the general comments section um and it'll come through into his database <laughs> um and so that's all i need to do here is i i, I uh say thank you um send uh send robert um send robert some nice uh, uh motivation to process the data for you and i press finish now what people are missing here and this is the key thing and maybe we're not clear about it is we don't automatically submit it for you you're you're creating a compatible silver report and so come the end of the year what you need to do is you go up here to all of your incidents you, you pick the date range so if we're going to report on everything um last year so i'd say from january 1st 2021 to december 31st and on the right hand side here this is where it is this export this is all of your data the lost behavior export here is your ISRID data set so it hides all of your confidential fields and data and all it's sending through are those the, the key information um that you need so um I, I think uh is that enough for me to say or or nope. um just what one more step <laughs> they they will get a copy of their spreadsheet and it will download to their system hmm. they, they actually then have to email me the spreadsheet yes key um yeah absolutely um i'll try and bring up um what this looks like here for people to have a look so let me open the spreadsheet where are we no i'm not able to share the spreadsheet i'm afraid so um you have to it's a lovely spreadsheet and it's got all of the columns in it um across the data we just captured so um, you know, county, city, mission number, incident date, incident type, categories, number of subjects, involvement of the subject, ages, genders, search time, lost time, distance traveled from the IPP, direction, find features, everything you've just seen. Uh, and you're right, elevation change says coming coming soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, coming the, soon nice, the nice thing is if it's like North America, 
with, with the IPP coordinate and the find location, I, I, I can, I can use tools to figure mm -hmm. out the, the Delta in the elevations. Once I have yes. coordinates, I can figure out those elevations myself and then get calculate. What um, is the, what is the email address that you want this data sent to? It's uh, Robert. Yep. At D B S that's Delta Bravo Sierra, then yep. a hyphen and then SAR so i'm going to put that up on screen here so if you want to send and we'll update some stuff at the end we've I, I do believe we've a guide and if we need to update our knowledge base and um, we do have a whole page on this if you search d4h isrid you should get our knowledge base um and um i hope that email or, or certain the way to submit it is is listed and um, but we, we we massively encourage everyone if you've got incident data about lost people Get it into Robert's study, contribute towards the book, um, and then go purchase the book to fund the study. Um, and let's make sure that we're supporting this kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, it's, it's superbly useful information. Yeah, one of the la latest little updates I did was trying to make a better model for survivability. Uh, and looking at factors that affect survivability. Mm -hmm. and you can see several several of those factors, such as survival training, clothing, were, were listed there in the silver standard. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't submit the data to me. So my, my data management students were like, boy, it would have been nice to have more data with those fields yeah absolutely um so there's there's comments coming in here we have the fields but we need people to enter the data it's great to see the output to give people the the incentive to enter their data maybe let platinum be a toggle option up from silver but um yeah just so it doesn't get more complicated um but um yeah i think we'd let that be a team team setting of of some point although the questions are flowing in now robert i hope you've nothing on for the afternoon. <laughs> um, discussion, if people see too many fields, they'll not enter any data. They'll enter none rather than some. Um, they're more likely to fill out silver. I don't know what you think on that, but I guess that, it's a, an organization standard or whatever yeah, they want to. That, that, I mean, that's the whole reason I developed actually four different levels because I knew there was a, a balance between lots of information, but mm. less likely to fill out a form a little bit of information, but more likely to fill out uh, a form and, and then just let users decide what they're motivated to do. And if, if people, um, because we need to comment as well, it, there's PDF forms people can submit too, is that right? Uh, there are, if they email me, I'm happy to send them PDF forms. Um, the, the, the basic and silver standard I mean, the basic is like a half form. The silver standard is like the front page of a form. The, the gold yeah. and platinum are a front and back. Yeah. And then with PDFs, if, if people aren't familiar, you can, you know, you can create your own spreadsheet and it automatically pulls it off, off the form to build the spreadsheet for you. So you only have to fill out the, the data once. Um, here is a question in from Stephanie, Stephanie is actually used to work at D4H. Stephanie, it's great to see you. Stephanie's with um, King County Search and Rescue in Washington. What type of information do you like to receive in the comments field? Anything you want to put in there. <laughs> I mean, a better description, you know, a thumbnail description of why the subject got lost. Uh, you know, a short, brief thing of, you know, how, how did you find them? Uh, if, if it's a weird search, what, what made it a weird search? I mean, what, was it a subject category you seldom see, or a lot of times you scratch your head in about 80, 90% of the times it's pretty easy to determine the subject category, mm. but there's another 10% where you're scratching your head. It's like, I'm not really sure, but you know. If it forces me to fill out only one thing from a pull down list, yeah, I'll, 
I'll pull down whatever best matches, but sometimes a, a little bit more description can really help. And if nothing seems to, to fit for the subject category, I, I don't know if you get the option of other. Um, I think I would imagine we do whatever was on the silver. Right. Of course, option. the problem with other, if you only say other, it's useless. It doesn't yes. tell anybody anything. Yeah. Um, because then you're you're potentially combining I don't know hang gliders with jet planes. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's it's useless. But if you have other and you put something in the comment box, then I can really figure out what other means. Um, Gabe, you've asked here. Uh, Defrage doesn't limit the output of the lost behavior exports to incidents only. I'm not sure I follow that question. Oh, I do. I do follow up. Oh, go for it. Go yeah, I, I, I get to see when they download that last person behavior. Yes. I, I get to see all their training missions. No, they're sending you the wrong spreadsheet then. No, no, it has the last person. It has the incidents on it too. Oh, uh, okay. okay. But it has everything else also. Um, so uh, I, I, have I suspect. I mean, they're coming from completely different locations, but um, um, I see. I, yeah, so it's every activity that can have last person behavior. Yeah. Um, so should it limit to incidents only? You can only input it against incidents. So that is, um, it should limit to incidents only. Um, now, but the data is I just going to be a date and reference. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not too hard for me to to clean. Well, we'll um, clean that up. It, we just it, it, once it, these are raised. <laughs> sorted um, out. Well, I, I have actually because Gabe is another one here saying the coming soon for elevation. During this live stream, I'm getting messages from our engineering team who are saying that they're going to work on that now, especially after <laughs> this being highlighted in the stream. So um, that. Um, that's going to uh, kind of come through. Um, okay, back over to Italy. Our department is a national one, and we have national database of the relief efforts we do. About 5,000 are search and rescue operations. How do we share this data with you? Uh, send me an email. We'll start working out all the details. Perfect. Um, so um, and, and pretty much uh, my, my team can take just about any format uh, data arrives in. Uh, ultimately, I put it into a, a spreadsheet uh, to clean it before it gets ingested into the actual database. Okay, very good. Um, what does DBS stand for? Uh, my high school nickname was Dr. Bob. Yeah, nice. And the, <laughs> and the S was just free floating. It either stood for scientific or SAR. Oh, very I good. never really decided what. <laughs> I think it's the first good. time I've actually said it be, before. I, I wouldn't say it before I got my doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> and now you are Dr. Bob. Now um, I am Dr. Bob. Hope hope everyone in high school knows. Um. <laughs> Um, what else do you have here? Um, uh, I'm going to come back to some of these. So they may be out of order from people are asking. Um, do you want um, incidents where the subject location was known? But yeah, I, I will actually there. have a, a separate sub subject profile on cell signals and uh, mm -hmm. PLBs. Usually I'm just interested in, you know, were, were they actually there or, or how, how far away uh, from the, the sort of reported position were they actually? Yeah. That, that, that um, helps with, with spatial modeling. It also kind of helps searchers to kind of know what percentage are false alarms, which what percentage turn out to be true uh, distress. Those are the types of things I'll, I'll be in the next edition of the book. Um, Peter comes out and says, sort the incident type to limit items to contribute. 
I'm guessing this is related to D4H. And what you're looking for is when you export that uh, spreadsheet, that it would filter to just a ta one of our tags. So you can say last person and just export um, incidents yes. that have, have a tag on it. Uh, sounds a great idea. And I hope those engineers are still watching. Uh, we'll, we'll add that into the same same. I mean, that, 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 that's actually what, what I did to, to, to clean them up as they came in. Question in here from Andrew Quigley. Um, have you collected data on fugitives from law enforcement and what would be useful? Uh, yes, and I've also collected it. Oh, look, there's one of my data entry people <laughs> <laughs> trying to crawl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, law enforcement and, and some some SAR teams get called to fugitive cases. I mean, some SAR teams are affiliated yeah. uh, with, with law enforcement. Uh, uh, ah, okay. So, the most, yeah, so the you're most getting useful that thing is where, you know, where were they last seen? Where were they found? Uh, and then obviously the time. How long are, are they actually out there? And then I, probably the the next thing that helps uh, a lot of people is, you know, if I have coordinates, I can actually do most of the work myself, just given those two coordinates. You don't even have to tell me the distance. And then I can plot it on the map and see the types of features uh, they're actually found on. Um, I, I've automated the process if I have coordinates to get the elevation as well. Um, Gabe, Gabe has said, don't forget your about your app. Tell people about your app and what they can do. So, so there is an app called Lost Person Behavior uh, that is available uh, for both Android and Apple uh, operating systems. It essentially contains all of the statistical information uh, found in the book. Yep. So if you don't have the book with uh, you can just look it up on on the app uh one other difference uh that the app has is a a subject uh category wizard so if um you know, of course i got my my handy dandy app here like everybody else so the subject category wizard Yes, lovely. As that, so if we have uh, a child riding their bike um, who has autism, and I could could show all that, um, and then it would say I I should actually use the autism profile. So it makes it a lot easier to pick uh, the right category, and then it will go ahead. Yep, there it was. <laughs> That's how it looks. Screenshots uh, from the app. And then it will give you, you know, the, the same statistics. Something you only find in the app that you don't find in the book is a tactical briefing. Yep. So if you're like getting ready to brief a team, this is what is important to know about autism subjects. Like they, they may not be responsive. They may run, run from you. Um, Etc. Etc. Uh, you can just, you know, that's something you could read to your team uh, as you send them out. So that the app. Excellent. Um, I can see here. Amy has just posted um, the download links for the app on in the comments here, which is great. Thank you, Amy. Uh, the Google Play and Apple App Store. Bob, you, you charge ten dollars, or I see ten euro there for the All app, right. and that goes that goes towards your the research and. It sure does, we get it does updated go data. pretty much everything goes back into research. So go go by the go by the app. Um, another question in: Does the app data get? Uh, does the app update as the data refreshes with new information? Um, it was built to do that, um, but it's so much work to update the information. I up date it when I do a major update uh, to Israel. So the app will automatically update once I put out what I'm calling Israel version 
Matter of fact, all we have to do is switch out one little file and all the data automatically updates. Excellent. Um, I'm going to have to wrap this up shortly because questions are flying in here. Is there an ETA for the new um, edition of the book? And can there can we get autographed copies? Um, well, this is how far I am with the new version of the book. <laughs> I I'm I'm up I, I'm up to chapter eight. Um, of course, in the old book, chapter eight was the subject categories, but I've added uh, two new chapters. So. I'm trying to push myself for maybe a book release at the ISAR convention or, or the ISAR. Yep. Uh, Re Rescue 2022. October. Uh, October in Reykjavik, right? Yeah. So, so that's that a great one. Anyone watching this who wants to go to a search and rescue conference, um, I think that is a fantastic event to go to to see an entirely different world of search and rescue. But there's often circumstances beyond my control. But I, I've collected a lot of data so, so far. I mean, enough if I wanted to, I could start updating all those tables. But this is one of the last things I really wanted to, to get done. And pr pretty soon, in a month or two, I'm going to stop collecting data and then focus solely on writing that, the rest of the, uh, the chapters. Excellent. Well, um, as people saw there, I think uh, get your data in now. It's easy to do. Export whatever database you use and, and submit it in. Um, we have the email address there of how to submit um, information. Um, it's in, in the description on the video. Um, if not, they can just Google ISRID uh, database DBS productions, I think, and, and um, they get the submission instructions as well. And for most people, I probably have not seen your data since 2014. Okay, so everything from 2014 up. So that's a lot of data. Yes. Excellent. Anything else I've, I've missed, Robert, that you'd like to, to add or go over? Or have we covered everything um, in detail for you? I mean, we, we could probably talk all night <laughs> i'm enjoying it i warned everyone but yeah i i mean the data not only help helps me but you know you know some of the other things that i've been working on like is is it going to be a survivability uh model so mm -hmm. i had a bunch of data scientists uh master students if you want to call them data scientists yet look at some of the data I had so you know some of the things I found out things that really impact survivability are age and not too surprising uh, you know the average temperature and the hottest temperature and the mm -hmm. coldest temperature and then the type of environment they're in and then then gender and then their fitness and then their eco region domain and so on and so on and so on and we were able to make so after recognizing what the important factors are, we can then input all the temperature data, the, the subject data, the time data, and make a probability of survival uh, prediction. And then we can actually compare that to actual uh, survivability. This is actual survivability just based upon time yeah, just just time and the subject category. So it's it's going to be a lot more useful now that I have a lot more data uh, to, to work with. I can improve prove the, the these models. And the the short end of the story is people are surviving a lot longer than I think we sometimes give credit people to survive. So don't yeah. don't suspend your search too soon. Yeah. As I'm fond of saying. There, there is a difference between uncomfortable and dead. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It takes a long time to kill someone, for sure. Um, 
this uh this has just been great i do have to wrap it up and um, there are still questions coming in and i'm sorry if you didn't get your question answered um but you can you can i'm sure um robert is delighted to take them by email as well so uh please we just we just ask everyone again submit your data let's get it in let's make sure this third edition is really good it's for the benefit of everyone so robert yeah, thank wanna... you so much for coming on my pleasure i don't, I don't want to write new books too often <laughs> let's make this one great <laughs> excellent listen thanks again i look forward to seeing it at, at a conference soon okay you take it easy yeah. too thanks very much bye-bye bye-bye